0: Well, hello, Caleb, and welcome to all of our listeners. If you have tuned into the Movie Passion Podcast, we are excited uh, this week to talk about um, a very emotionally packed movie. Um, so we're going to be looking at 2019's A Marriage Story. Um, so, Caleb, I don't know about you, but this was um, a very impactful movie to watch, I felt like.
1: Yeah, um, super emotional, super... Um... Yeah, it was hard to watch for me. Mm. Uh, I found myself around the halfway point having to go take a walk yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first time I watched it. Like, I paused it and was like, I'm just mad right now. Yeah. And so yeah. <laughs> I paused it, took a walk, came back. The last hour was gripping, and so I stuck with it to the end. Um, and it, it became easier to watch as time went on. But, but yeah, like you were saying, super emotional and gripping.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, before we dive into the story itself, um, we can look into a little bit of the background info and uh, see if that helps us appreciate the movie a little more.
1: Yeah. So, like Seth said, this movie came out in 2019. It looks like December 6th was the release date. I don't know. I think this was a Netflix movie, so it did not um, have a theatrical release, if I remember correctly. Mm Mm-hmm. But it, I do know that I, it says that it's won one Oscar, and I think Laura Dern won Oscar for Best Supporting Actress as Nora in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. what it was. Okay, I remember that because <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson got nominated for two Oscars that year. Um, one for Jojo Rabbit, I think, as a supporting actress, and then one as um nicole in this movie as lead actress right so yeah
0: and of the other thing this movie could have won an oscar for i was a little surprised that was the one i guess yeah it garnered um,
1: (laughs) yeah it it wasn't seen that her her character was very um impactful i'm trying to think of a better word but her character was a standout and very memorable yeah Uh, Like you're saying, I think that it's definitely not what I would have thought would have been the Oscar winning performance or or thing from this movie out of all the elements that kind of work. Yeah, but um, that's that's what happened. And I mean, I'm not saying that to sort of diminish the, the award for Laura Dern. It was it was a great performance. Right, and, yeah, not at all. Yeah. It, was, it was probably well-deserved. I, I can't remember all the other people nominated in that category, but... Yeah. But yeah.
0: So it's an Oscar-winning film.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. So the cast, the most notable cast members are Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, I guess... We all know her from the Marvel movies. That's probably her most notable role as as, uh, Natasha Romanoff or Black Widow. And we know Adam Driver from Star Wars, (laughs) and he is Kylo Ren. So two heavyweight actors in this movie. Yeah. So it's very surprising to me. I mean, maybe we're moving more towards... um, you know trying to put a lot of effort into making films for streaming services mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what I'm trying to say, but what I mean is the I guess cast for a Netflix movie I wouldn't have thought that these two heavyweights would be in a movie that was just going to be streamed with no theatrical release right yeah um, but I yeah. think that's that's a I think we're gonna see that a lot more I think we have seen it. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago when Will Smith was in that movie Bright or yeah, something. Yeah, I Bright, what that's called. what it was. Um, but I was like, wow, he's in a Netflix movie. <laughs> and, yeah. and, like, all these different actors who who have a lot of weight behind their name are doing these movies that are releasing straight-to-streaming services, which I think is, is a trend we're going to see continue. For sure. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I, I personally... Think that that's a pretty, you know, crazy casting for for a Netflix movie. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear Brian in the background.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, you are. You're getting the taste of apartment life. Uh, if you're listening <laughs> to this. It's, it's a blast.
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah. o- other than Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, some more notable names are Laura Dern, of course, as Nora, and then we've got what did you say was? alan i'm trying to find alan um alda
0: alda yeah new starter yeah egg. so alan he played alda.
1: bert he played bert and then we've got ray leota as jay marotta
0: mm-hmm. he's a good fella
1: yeah yeah there you go and wasn't he in a a Hannibal movie, <laughs> and he had his brains oh, eaten. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we won't tell you which movie, so it's not a spoiler, but yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, sorry, I maybe shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and then um, I know Kyle Bornheimer. He played Ted, sort of Jay Murata's, you know, right-hand man. Right. But I know him from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where he plays... He might also be named Ted in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I can't remember, but he played, um, I guess, one of Jake Peralta's rivals. And uh, he, oh, dated, yeah, yeah, he dated yeah. uh, Santiago for a time.
0: Yeah. He's one of those guys that's been, I think, just in a lot of things. Um, yeah. But I don't know if he's ever really had, like, a lead yeah. thing and also,
1: who is... I'm sorry, the reason why this is a little bit difficult is because on IMDb, the... The actors are listed in credits order, but it's not by, I guess, most notable actors. So you have to scroll to get some to some yeah. big names. Yeah. But um, I think it's Wallace Shawn. Yeah. So he he you'd know him as the voice of, I guess, the, the T-Rex from from Toy Story
0: and uh um, also inconceivable
1: princess, yeah in princess bride i also knew him from a movie called like dad or something something about a dad movie where this kid was i guess ashamed is a harsh word but kind of ashamed of who his dad was he was Wallace Shawn kind of you know he's kind mm-hmm. of a nerdy guy and so he hired someone to pretend to be his dad at like social get togethers yeah uh, but but yeah.
0: Yeah, he had a funny uh, role in this movie. Wasn't he always trying to get like right in like a kiss scene or something like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he there. was
1: he was always trying to explore um his character's, I guess, romantic um life and he 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 was yeah, he was he was very much about um romance and yeah. and sexually driven.
0: <laughs> yeah. Way to go but, Wallace. <laughs> yeah
1: um any other names stick out for you those no I think yeah those
0: are those are especially the faces like I said I'm not as good with names but um the faces definitely those are the ones I noticed the most um and Laura Dern I'm not sure what else I've seen her in
1: Jurassic Park and Star Wars
0: right yeah so I guess yeah oh right wow so her and um her and Kylo Ren meet up again for a yeah
1: and they're also on
0: opposing sides, so it yeah. works out perfectly.
1: I don't know if they were ever on screen, so they might have never—I mean, in Star Wars, so yeah. they might—I mean, I assume that they worked together, but I just remember from the Star Wars movie, I don't think they were in the same place at the same time, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't really interact with one another for Last Jedi, because uh, they wouldn't have need to.
0: yeah. Right.
1: Although I don't know how they go about filming stuff. True. But additionally to the cast, we will go down to the box office. I guess we can skip to that. Well, filming locations, I, I typically feel like I do that. New York, and then a Warner Brother lot in California.
0: Which I guess fits the movie taking place in both New York and Los Angeles. So
1: yeah. And the box office. So the budget was eighteen point six mil, and then its cumulative gross is three hundred and thirty three thousand six hundred and eighty six dollars. Hmm. That's probably maybe I don't know, it, yeah yeah. I don't really know what that means. I don't know how they but,
0: calculate that when it's a Netflix release. Um, maybe
1: it had like limited screenings at some theaters yeah that could be i mean i don't really know how they go about finding these numbers and what they mean exactly yeah
0: maybe dvds i don't know if that that would count in that at all
1: i did i do own this on blu-ray so mm. <laughs> i would i would if that was the case then i would have contributed to to that number
0: oh yeah take pride in that
1: <laughs> uh, it was a criterion release and so i picked it up um, and I was, I'm, I'm happy I finally watched it cause I had it for several months before I actually watched it.
0: Yeah. Um, but like, which you observed, know,
1: yeah. I, you know, I go out and buy movies and then right. watch them at my leisure yeah.
0: and you know which <laughs> movies you want to get, but then like for a movie like this, you just got to be in the right, I guess, emotional I knew it was, place. I knew it was going to be
1: dense. Yeah. So I, I definitely had to, and, and like I watched it again last night for this retrospective if you will. Mm-hmm. And I I was kind of loathing it. I was like I just don't yeah. want to be in that place again.
0: Yeah. It was I it was the same way for me when I when I rewatched it. Um like, yeah. There were certain parts I I just had to kind of skip over or just didn't want to have to re-experience the the um I don't know why I felt bad watching it cuz you just really I guess it's You don't feel like guilty or anything. It's just it's just hard to um it's so real, so realistic, I guess. Um
1: Mm
0: -hmm. how they like the budget whatever budget they had, it's not going for special effects or, you know, anything. This is just like pure acting, cinematography, like work. That's just makes a great story, but it's a great heartbreaking story.
1: Yeah. Well, if um if there's nothing else that you can think of, I'll shoot it over to you so that you can synopsize yeah. <laughs> the the movie for us.
0: Yeah. So here is my um my short take if I were to explain this movie to someone. I would say that Nicole and Charlie had a picturesque life together. The actress and the director living out Charlie's dream of running a successful theater company with their son, Henry. Well, the son doesn't help run it. He's just, you know, kind of there. <laughs> However... Nicole had dreams of her own on the West Coast and problems in the marriage festered. The story of their divorce escalates from an amic- amicable meeting with a mediator to a ruthless slander show in a courtroom. Lawyers, custody battles, and money grabs only widen the gap between Nicole and Charlie. And though they continue to miscommunicate, their son finally learns how to read and accidentally fixes their friendship. <laughs> even though the, the marriage is over. Um, so... There's definitely layers to what I just said, but the son learning how to read is very important to the movie. Um, And I think the son might be the most important plot point, like character of the movie in terms of what, what drives the conflict. Um, Because as you have figured out, if you've watched this movie, it is could more accurately be called a divorce story than a marriage story because only the first like five minutes are a reflection on them falling in love. And then the rest is just things falling apart. Um, Yeah, there's tension between Charlie wanting to be big in the New York theater scene, Nicole wanting to go back and do TV and movies and stuff in LA, and it just escalates from there. I think we could break down the escalation a little more if you want to and talk about, I guess, like the steps each one takes and you know why that's a or how that impacts the other person. But I'd be curious what your I guess assessment is uh, or if there's any other big points I'm leaving out of that kind of quick summary.
1: I can't think of any, you know, points that you're leaving out. Um, When you were talking about the escalation and the ruthless nature of the, I guess, split Mm -hmm. or, or divorce rather, I guess they were already split up, but the, the courtroom scene that was very weighty and messy and it's it you have to note i guess Laura Dern's character Nora is a is a driving force in this movie she is and she is one of the driving forces to them i guess turning on each other and, and becoming more animalistic as opposed to their
0: yeah
1: original intention of just splitting or cutting it off just cleanly and, and yeah. nicely.
0: Yeah. So with the mediator, you don't have to get, I like, guess the, as much of court lawyer stuff involved. Like, I mean, there's still legal aspects to it. Um, but I think if we, maybe we could qu- quickly reflect on the escalation that they both wanted that. Um, but they kind of, or Nicole kind of gets talked into hiring a lawyer because you don't know what the other person's going to do. So it's like, well, you need to get a lawyer because if he gets a lawyer, then he's like going to, you know, destroy you. So she gets a lawyer. Um, and that kind of like, and
1: she starts destroying him.
0: (laughs) Right. and And that catches him off guard. So he has to get a lawyer. Um, he, and eventually he has to come around and get like the, the brutal, the, the Ray Liotta lawyer to come in and just make Nicole look super bad. Um, but there's a lot of those just miscommunications or things where,
1: it, that's exactly what it was. Because one miscommunication. person,
0: because yeah, one person will do something, because they weren't talking, they 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 don't know if they can trust what the other person originally agreed. You know, it's like, hey, let's just do an amicable <laughs> split. They escalate escalate take steps to do meeting. It's like, oh, now I want your money. It's like, oh, I want full custody. Like, because all all of these aspects where it's just the back and forth. Um, Yeah, I can't think of a different word than miscommunication um, or just lack of communication, I guess, because um, I think what the movie really portrays is the distance between Charlie and Nicole is just so widened um, by all of the people who are between them. I think that might be shown most extremely, I think, in the courtroom scene, if I remember correctly, they're sitting at opposite ends of their respective benches. They literally could not be... um, any farther together like nicole's at the left end of her bench and charlie's at the right end of his of his bench and like they're just there's like four lawyers in between them all duking it out and trying to make the other um person in the marriage look horrible so i thought that from that uh perspective the construction of the movie was i thought was really effective in how it was just kind of like a step-by-step escalation of you know oh yeah we are gonna you know Get lawyers in, like just sign this, and he's like, "Well, I need to get my lawyer," and all of that kind of back and forth was um, very—I don't know—it was stressful, but it was. I think it was good for for giving a real picture, of probably, what going through this kind of divorce would be like, where it is a miscommunication or it's not miscommunication. It's um, there is this fear of what you know, what could the other person do? What do I need to be ready for them to do? Um, and so on.
1: Yeah, I I was really intrigued by the legal. I guess aspect of this. Right. Because I guess going in I didn't anticipate that. I just assumed that it would be about how they have a breakdown of communication, expectations aren't met, maybe they're they're constantly fighting and bickering, but they really they really weren't like that and they were mm-hmm. actually somewhat on friendly terms. But then when the legal process began and you know, the lawyers got involved, they sort of turned it into their own little mess. Like the lawyers were actually kind of puppeteers and pulling their strings and being yeah. like, Well, this person's gonna do this, you gotta do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so it I feel like this film almost somewhat demonizes lawyers. Or mm-hmm. or it shows it shows I guess how vicious they can be. Because they took two people that were on somewhat good terms and had a, had an agreement. And basically, once they got their hands on those two people, they just sort of turned it into what they know, what mm-hmm. they typically deal with. And um, they basically made them into th- these beasts that were just kind of after each other's throats to, to try to get as much as they could out of, out of one another um, as yeah. their marriage was ending. So yeah. that was something that was interesting, was watching the lawyer like when when Charlie first met with Jay Murata and the guy Mm -hmm. was like, Oh, they're gonna do this and he was like, You shouldn't have never done that and and he's sort of just filling his head with all of these ideas and and it's stressing him out and he's freaking out now. Yeah. And same with Laura Dern's character, Nora. She 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 just sort of she seemed nice at first and she's like, Oh well tell me about everything and then she kind of Mm -hmm. manipulated Nicole into you know taking more and more and, and doing certain things that she probably never would have done if she wasn't pushed in that direction
0: yeah yeah like getting um she she took the, nora took the initiative of getting it was like one more day every two weeks to get like 55 percent custody or something yeah, like that on just the weekends. so charlie
1: couldn't say that yeah. he got 50 50 like right. that is a i'm sorry for that's a bitch move
0: <laughs> well yeah it's i think and i mean to be fair i don't want to demonize people who really are divorce lawyers because I think there are some people coming out of really horrible marriages that these lawyers are able to help get them the support they need, I guess, to, you know, separate, um, from that. I and think but they want to do as like, best for their client, I guess, but
1: not, not to sort of throw people under the bus, but I mean, also these are LA lawyers and and they work with, you know, people in showbiz. And so, mm-hmm they probably anticipate certain scenarios um, and they're probably used to you know divorces that end a certain way and probably yeah. just sort of um what's the word? I guess cast that onto Nicole and Charlie even though that wasn't necessarily their situation. Yeah.
0: And well and to be fair, I guess we are they are a showbiz couple. You know, he's a he is a director and she's an actress um, so maybe it, it does kind of fit, you know, that they would be thinking, or Nicole would be thinking, you know, like an LA actress, cause that's what, you know, she's, she's doing or at least aspiring to do.
1: Um. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between, you know, if, if the actual person, Scarlett Johansson was going through a divorce mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a, a couple that's been living in New York for 10 years doing plays in like not on broadway so they're smaller plays yeah Um, that's true i mean yeah i don't i don't think that they're they are in the entertainment industry but i wouldn't say they're into showbiz i mean she she kind of had been there and was moving back in that direction but I i think that when you think of la you know, movie star divorces—they're very grandiose and just—you know—they garner a lot of attention. And you know,
0: that's true. Like you know. this, yeah, this wouldn't have been like the like top of the if town you look at or the, the news, or
1: yeah, if you look at the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation, like that—that's mm-hmm. that's not the same thing as what Nicole and Charlie were going through until I guess they met up with the people that pushed them in that direction.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, good good observations. Um I think one thing this movie might force you to do a little bit is as you're watching, you kind of start to root for one person or the other. I don't know, maybe yeah. or maybe that's just or like depending on whose perspective you're seeing at the moment, you might be more sympathetic to one character or the other. I feel like what we get in a lot of the movie is we get um Charlie kind of being dragged along by Nicole's initiative in some of these directions. So we're kind of reacting to stuff in real time as he's like reacting to it for, you know, in real time. Um, And I mean, the story of their marriage, I guess, is if we were to maybe to try to just highlight the, what the root conflict was, is that they got married young because um, Nicole was pregnant and they, I mean, they got married and, you know, wanted to raise the child together, but they fundamentally, I guess, wanted different things um, and maybe didn't do a good job talking about those things with each other. Um, and as their distance grew, um, Nicole withdrew from Charlie. Charlie had an affair and, I guess, gives a, you know, pretty reasonable basis for, you know, divorce with infidelity and, and stuff. So, I mean, that, that, that story makes Charlie look bad. But as you're seeing Charlie react to everything, I feel like there's definitely a lot of sympathy that you get for him. Um, And I guess hearing his side of the story too.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. This, This movie definitely gives an opportunity for you to pick a side and I guess sort of... Root for them, and then it, in in doing so, you would be, you know, demonizing or, you know, vil- making a villain out of the other person. Yeah. So, but but yeah, like you were saying, you, we sort of see Charlie's perspective for a lot of the film. And so, you hear that he cheated on Nicole, so, you know, you, you don't really agree with that. But then you kind of see... You know, like you were saying, I think you used a great term, "initiative." Her initiative, hmm. and she sort of drags him through for the rest of the film through this divorce process.
0: And I think she she herself seems resistant to some of the moves, but yeah. because she's listening to her lawyer and not talking to Charlie, or she's listening to you know her mom um, and those influences. Uh, I think. I guess it becomes easier for her
1: to... Or even the woman from the the studio, I guess, the woman who introduced her to Nora in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Like She was just listening to everybody else when, you know, the most effective tool in a relationship or marriage or the most important aspect is the communication. Yeah. And so it's a, you know... That, that was a great point that you brought up, that they were talking to everybody else but each other.
0: Yeah. I, I just felt so... That was what I felt frustrated about watching. Is like, oh, I feel like if you guys just talk to each other, you'd solve it. And so, of course, I say that. And they do have a long, extended conversation with each other um, about an hour and a half into the movie where Nicole comes over to Charlie's apartment in L.A. to talk about how things are going and I don't know, maybe set things straight after the brutal hearing where all their dirty laundry is being aired for the world. And their conversation just turns into a bitter argument where they're just saying horrible things about each other. Um, and ultimately, like, Charlie is saying that he wishes, like, Nicole would just die. And, like, he would be so happy if she would just die. And then he just breaks down into tears. Um, and they're both just, like, completely broken by, by that conversation and argument. So... I don't know what I was expecting when it got to that point. Because um, I mean, they got like 10 minutes where they're working some of this stuff out between them. And, like, I guess I'm hoping, you know, like, oh, wow, they're finally going to talk. Like, maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be as good for them. But it seems like even at that point, after all of that talking, you know, that wasn't going solve, um, solve to their, solve their problems. And the hurt that had since been inflicted, you know, since the last time they had, like, really, really, like, talked to each other. So... Man, yeah, I don't know. What What do you think of that um, big argument scene where they just lose their minds at each other?
1: It was. I think it was good for them, honestly. Like I, mm. I know that it, it was it was rough and it was it was hard, um, but it sounds like they finally got to the root or like some of the core problems. Right. In their relationship, and sort of finally, like you said, we're airing out the dirty laundry. Because because it sounds like there hadn't been a lot of communication up to that point about their split. Yeah. Like, and I mean, Charlie seemed very just blindsided by the fact that Nicole wanted something else. And it might have been because of his, you know, short-sightedness and his selfishness that he was just like, wait, you don't want to be an actress in all of my plays and, and, and such. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, um, yeah, yeah, and that's a good point, like, in in that case, like, you know, who do you, I guess, find fault with? Is the person who failed to communicate, or the person who's, you know, I guess maybe should have picked up on some of these cues, but were, you know, maybe selfish and blind to it, like, I don't know. Um, yeah,
1: well, there's a lot of selfishness in this, and I, I want to touch on that, too, but, yeah. Um, I guess I just think that it was... I hate that it came to the point that it did of them shouting at each other and, and Charlie, you know, telling Nicole that he wished she would just die, get hit by a car or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's in those moments I was listening and, and they were finally just sort of both sort of sharing bullet points as to this is why we don't work as as a married couple anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I can't remember all of the points, but, but they were, you know, talking about how, you know, I'm not even going to try <laughs> because yeah. I can't remember all of them. No, yeah, but but it, I think yeah, you, you get it's what I'm saying is, yeah. is that they, they finally communicated. And because they hadn't up until that point, it was just a dump of all of their feelings and emotion and, and what they thought on the situation. But I think that it was a very important conversation if you can call that a conversation for them to have and, and it seemed like things started to turn a little bit there because i mm-hmm. can't exactly remember where that point was in the movie it was obviously you know within about a half an hour of the movie ending but i think i think that might have been before the the lady came over to sort of yeah, see how Charlie right. was with the, with the, with Henry. Yeah. It was before the, but, yeah, before the custody decisions yeah. were being made. But I mean, it was sort of at that point that things started winding down and, and, um, I guess Jay Murata became less interested in the case cause he didn't think he could win or he yeah. became less interested because for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, at that point, I don't even, I don't get,
0: yeah I don't even know what was left for, um, after their, their kind of joint hearing, um, other than the custody, I guess, which was going to be decided by, or impacted by, the um, the social worker's observation of Charlie yeah. with Henry. Um, I guess that was kind of his big role. Or kind of show us that, like, you know, Charlie finally did pay up and call in the big guns. And, of course, the irony and the tragedy is that, was it the MacArthur grant that Charlie had won to fund the theater company in New York? He ultimately Henry. had to use all of that money just to pay for the lawyers and legal fees and like living, you know, in two cities and all that stuff. Um, so that he ultimately loses the New York thing. And that I thought was interesting throughout the movie. Um, I guess they try to give you some tastes of what the normal life was like for them. So like, and we have the opening montage of their life together, the competitive, you know, monopoly games, um, being like concerned about causes, like how they would talk to each other and support each other Um, how good of a father that Charlie was to Henry. Um, So you get like tastes of that stuff, the movie where, I don't know, like she'll be, she'll like cut his hair, you know, like while they're going through um, this stuff or, you know, like they'll have like a, like a decent interaction like with each other where they don't get like, like mad. Um, And I guess at the end of the movie, the big gesture is like, you know, her bending down and tying his shoe, you know, um, and letting him take Henry home when it wasn't, you know, technically his day to take him. Where the movie definitely gave me that longing just to see, like, what the new normal is going to be like for them, because you have all this turmoil and like the craziness. Um, but we get, we just, we just get like a taste of that at the end, I guess, of what the new normal is going to look like for Nicole and Charlie.
1: Yeah, and I think it leaves a lot of ambiguity. Is that the right word? Yeah, Maybe. yeah, that is. Um, but it leaves, it leaves a lot to sort of, you know they don't know what the new normal is going to be. And so the movie ends with, you know, they're still figuring it out as we are. You know, we we want to see that, but mm-hmm. that's not really something that we need to see. But, you know, it, it's just, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people who have been through a divorce have to struggle with, especially if you have a kid involved, like, mm-hmm. how are we going to exist now? Like, if you don't have a kid or any sort of connection, I guess you can just break it off and, and leave it and almost never speak to that person ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you have a kid, you know, what is what is the day-to-day, week-to-week going to look like? Because uh, you're used to something for, you know, I guess they were married for a decade-ish. Yeah, so, I like not remember. Maybe like, like, s- you're,
0: yeah, like six. No, yeah, well, he was, I don't remember how old the kid was, but I guess about whatever his age. Yes, yeah, so maybe, maybe around... Yeah, nine, ten years. He was eight. He was eight, so maybe uh, eight, nine years, something like that.
1: Yeah, but they, you know, they so they had, you know, lived this life together for the better, most of a decade, and and so now they're transitioning into this new stage, and so I think the movie leaves it kind of open ended, like you can sort of, you know, fill in the blanks as to as to what you think happens, and and they're figuring. It out, yeah, and, and you can too.
0: Yeah, but it also I don't know. It just makes me feel so frustrated because if they had just gone to that solution that they arrived at at the end of the movie before all the divorce stuff, they might have still been able to have like a happy marriage. You know, like well, if this- he had been willing to go, or if he had gone and like, oh yeah, I'll t- you know teach at UCLA and do some local theater stuff in LA, so you can you know yeah. work on some TV shows. If he
1: and- would have taken that job in la it's it's hard it you know it just makes you wonder sometimes like would they still be married yeah if if he would have you know agreed to do that or you know yeah but i mean i think there's there's selfishness and i guess this can kind of lead me into this bit sure um there there's a lot of selfishness in this movie from both sides Mm -hmm. and and i think that Not to sort of get into my philosophy on marriage, (laughs) and you know what, I'm not going to cover any of that, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's give and take, obviously, but I think you sort of sacrifice your wants and desires when you get married for your collective wants and desires, and so I think that they were looking at things individually As people, as individuals in this relationship instead of as a couple. Yeah. And so Charlie was like, I'm doing this thing. I'm directing my plays. This is awesome. But then Nicole was like, well, I want to go act here and do this thing. And so she was looking for him to, I guess, sort of give in that way. Yeah. But then that would be the other extreme because then, you know, he wanted to live in New York. And so there wasn't really a good compromise for them to because they both had such drastic differences of, of desire. Yeah. And they weren't thinking about, you know, what can we do together? Like maybe we live in Texas or I don't know, Texas and do like a, you know, some kind of middle ground, but they were both sort of being pulled in their individual directions as opposed to sort of trying to figure it out. And, and compromise with one another
0: yeah and um i agree and i think in in their argument that we get superheated i think some of those selfish reasons come out like one thing I, I remember is charlie um says you know unlike most you know successful directors in their 20s i couldn't you know enjoy just like sleeping with all the women that were interested in me and it's like 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 dude that's really that's what you wanted i guess um like <laughs> that's that's pretty i, I think selfish um to be saying you would have rather, you know, had that, uh, than like, you know, have your son and, and stuff. Um, so it's like, I guess like that stuff like that. And I, I I think you're right that, um, what the desires are definitely highlighted in this movie. I think what makes it more interesting is that, um, it's not just about wanting different things. Like there is also the infidelity component where he did cheat on her and, um, you know, it's not just, uh, about the desires, I think like the yeah there were a lot of factors at play in the in how the relationship deteriorates and yeah I still yeah well, I mean yeah I don't know
1: not to no, the infidelity is inexcusable, but it does sound like there he had justifications in his mind for it yeah because um, he he would often just be like, it's not that big of a deal and, and you'd think what <laughs> like how how can you think that? but it sa- from from what I've gathered, it sounds like they were sort of kind of split at that point yeah because at the beginning of the movie the, the the actors in in his I guess exit ghost organization that he started, yeah, the actors were discussing like do you think it's for real this time so they've been split before? And he said he was sleeping on the couch at that point. Yeah. And it sounds like she had cut him off from, um, uh, just sex. I guess. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> I can't yeah. think. I think that's what he says later. But on. But he said they yeah. they hadn't they hadn't taken care of one another's um, needs yeah. for over a year, and so. I you know I I can't justify his infidelity, but yeah, it sounds like he was almost driven to to that.
0: Yeah. And I think because because yeah.
1: I know you know there are temptations out there for everyone, and and you know it's it's lo- it's largely discussed the the libido of, of men, I guess, mm-hmm. and not to say that it's any more powerful than women because I I'm not a woman I can't talk about that, but um. It, he must have been driven to that because he wasn't getting something that he felt that he needed. Right. And so I'm not trying to justify the infidelity, but I'm just saying that, you know, may, maybe maybe he wouldn't have done that if, if things had been different on her end, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. And um, again, I think it's just one of those things where, depending on how you look at it, you could find fault with both of them. Yeah. In different ways. And it, of course, it, like when it gets to a crucial moment decision thing, you know, you could definitely see more fault in one person than another. Like, she, well, she's at this party um, in the middle of the movie and she just, like, finds some guy that she wants to, like, make out with and stuff. Just to kind of, like, feels like just kind of, like, get back at him, you know? Just to mm-hmm. say she kind of, like, you know, been with someone else since him and, like, start kind of forging her new trail there um yeah so yeah so much selfishness and also for charlie like all the time he ended up having with his son during all the legal battles it felt like he was not able to enjoy it because he was either so caught up in trying to like enjoy you know the the double of everything so like he had henry had halloween with his mom now he's gonna have halloween with his dad so charlie really wants to have halloween but henry just wants to like sit at home and eat candy you know he's already gone out once and trick-or-treated and
1: and every. Bodies close their doors and turn their lights right, off. Right, yeah. But
0: Charlie is you know, insisting he wants to make these memories with his son and just do stuff um, with them, even though it's like not working out. Um, so all the time he has with his son ends up kind of getting consumed, too, by the legal battle, which, as we observed, was not necessarily initiated by him, but it's um, the way he responded to that definitely. Uh, that made me sad seeing his relationship with his son kind of falter like that, where you're kind of feeling like, well... It kind of looks like Nicole would be, you know, better to take care of Henry because Charlie's just not really um, able to connect with him. And then when the the social worker comes and observes their interactions, I mean, that whole, like, chain of events is just like a train wreck, um, it seems Mm -hmm. like, for Charlie. You might be able to comment on that better than me, but it was... uh,
1: Well, not, probably not, but, I mean, the whole, I mean, his son just felt distant and cold the entire time. Yeah. And bored, like he's like, oh well, at my mom's house we have a pool and and we do this scavenger hunt thing and we have all these cool toys. That's where most of my toys are. And then he's like, I just have some Legos here at my dad's house mm. or at his apartment. And so he just and, and he was kind of just zoned out. The son was yeah. Henry. Yeah. And so the the social worker just saw basically Charlie trying to. <laughs>
0: Like force fun, kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah, force fun or force conversation or force something. Like it, it just felt very strained and forced. Yeah. And 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 I'm sure the social worker, like we could see her expressions every now and then, and she was picking up on like this doesn't seem like a, a happy relationship. It seems like a son is being forced to do something he doesn't want to do tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and then you've got that chaotic, <laughs> uh, last bit where he cuts himself with a with a pocket knife yeah. and he's like bleeding out yeah. on the floor like it's a deep
0: cut yeah he's trying to play it cool he's like losing consciousness and stuff it's just yeah it's a uh, it's messy but man yeah so henry really you know is i guess the character we're all supposed to find i don't know or feel kind of the same sympathy for like I think everyone everyone watching the movies on henry's side because we all want him to have what's best um despite all the circumstances and i think he his presence gives the conflict of the movie much more meaning than if this was just a movie about a man and a woman who had fallen out of love because like we're talking about the marriage um and the families or the family or the how am i trying to say this the marriage is more than just them it's also about the family they have with the three of them together so there's a lot at stake um when there are kids involved in a marriage, I mean, I think, and I heard someone describe this movie as like like a PSA that divorce sucks. I think was like one of the synopses I I saw, um, and I think it probably is that it's supposed to make you not have a great I guess feeling about divorce, but um I think it is definitely more than a PSA because it's um I mean it's a story like that's the the whole point.
1: Yeah. I would be I would be curious to know what inspired this this uh, this story that Noah is it Bombach or something like that Yeah, Bombach. Yeah, I would be curious to know what inspired this, and if he maybe took took notes from from personal experience or experience of those in his life. I know I know I was watching some kind of interview with scarlett johansson and they asked her about doing this movie and she said that she said that she'd been wanting to work with mr bombach for for a while and they just hadn't really found something that they both wanted to do together yeah but then uh she was going through a divorce at the time that they filmed this oh wow and so i'm sure that there was you know some her performance probably too was inspired by those real life events, but yeah, I'm just saying. I I think it would be it would be interesting to know what inspired you know all of the aspects of this movie because I'm sure that you know people who had their hands in this film who had experienced similar things in their own life maybe brought that. Um, and, and sort of use it as a as an outlet. Yeah. To sort of work through those things.
0: Yeah. And maybe people who have been through this or are going through this, I don't know if it'd be therapeutic for them to watch. Like I hadn't thought about that, you know, if it um if it could be helpful for people to like see other people go through a similar story and then like find some resolution, like it might give them a little bit of hope, I guess, that, you know, their situation could also find like a uh, at least end with a glimmer of hope for the future um yeah but but yeah yeah super powerful movie
1: definitely um so the movie begins and ends sort of not necessarily ends but they had both written letters to one another and it's in the letters at the beginning of the movie that we get to kind of see the lives that they lived when they were married Mm. And and you know we see Charlie finally get to get to see what Nicole actually thinks of him, you know when when all of the noise is drowned out, the noise of you know the lawyers yeah. and, and what everyone's yeah. telling her, um, he can finally sort of um, see what she actually thinks about him, and um, those those letters are really neat. I wanted to ask you you know what you thought of them what the what the what you think the significance of those letters what were in this movie
0: yeah um you know one of the things i love to look for in movies um i guess in in books you find this a lot too and you call it there's different names for the the technique but like tail head linkage where you have the connection between the beginning and the end of the work um as as, as like an intentionally crafted thing that the first thing that the audience sees and the last thing are going to be connected in some important way. Like that's usually a good um, storytelling technique. So for this movie, I thought it was super powerful that these letters, which you have pretty much all but forgotten about where they are talking about all the things that they love and admire about each other. um, So there's all the things that the audience is getting to look at at the beginning of the movie. So the lens through which we're watching their relationship is through these kind of, rose-colored glasses of what it could be. Um, but one thing I noticed is that even at the end of the movie, um, the audience learned something that the audience uh, and Charlie didn't actually know like the entire time. And of course, Charlie didn't know any of the letter. Um, but the the emotional, I guess, clincher at the end, um, and I think what really gives resolution to the movie is we finally know how, what Nicole feels about Charlie um and that's not something that we heard the first time that they read the letters like in the voiceover part at the beginning she stops before um talking about how like she's going to like always always love them or always love him sorry and at the end we do get that like she reads like the last um sentence where it's like i'll never stop loving him even though it doesn't make sense anymore um so i thought that was a very interesting way of telling the story where there was definitely suspense um, because we know pretty much how Charlie's feeling about most things, but Nicole is like a big question mark the entire time um, mm-hmm. until you get to that last, finished reading the last line of the letter at the end. Yeah. So I guess that was my, my take. Um, and that was the people I'd watched it with observed that as well. I don't know if that um, kind of makes sense to you or if you would, you know, word it no, differently. Yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. It's like you were saying earlier, we see. This movie is basically from the perspective of Charlie. Mm-hmm. Like, every now and then we'll cut to Nicole, but we kind of just, you know, hear about what she's doing or what Nora is encouraging her to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't really. We don't too. We often do not get to sort of sp- spend some time with her and, and see what's going on in her mind. Yeah. Because, because she does seem to be doing things that she normally wouldn't have done Mm -hmm. and that she's she's also getting dragged along in this thing and you know like you were saying sometimes we see that she might not completely agree with the the steps that are being taken and Mm -hmm. and so but but the whole entire movie we see it from charlie's perspective and you really feel bad for him because you're like, Nicole's a monster, the way that she's handling this thing. She's trying to take, you know, his son away from him and all these things. Um, but then I think like you were saying, we finally get to hear what she thinks about him, how she feels. It's kind of wrapped up nicely at the end.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I thought, Uh, so I I think, I think that it's great storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, they stop they stopped reading the letter. And then let it sort of play out, and then we kind of get to finally finish the letter. Yeah. Um. And I guess it still it still holds true for her in the end because we see that she's very emotional. Yeah. Hearing hearing him read the letter.
0: Yeah. Um. And I think you know that I don't I don't think I cried, but that definitely got me. You know, just seeing that kind of resolution um, for their relationship a little bit. You know, beginning some healing, beginning there, and of course the whole. The joke, I guess, throughout the whole movie is that like his son—it's not really a joke—but his son can't read. And I—I mean, no disrespect to people who you know struggle with learning to read because it's hard, and English makes pretty much no sense when you pronounce words the way they look. Um, But I think his son would be like in second grade or so. Um, Yeah. So I I was just—I was trying to reflect and try to remember like how old was I when I learned how to read, and I feel like you start learning in like kindergarten. Or give me mean, you know, an alphabet in kindergarten. I don't, maybe you learn how to like spell your name or something. But I was just confused. I was like, should he be able to read? I don't remember child development. Well, maybe well he enough.
1: also like, yeah, we wouldn't, we also wouldn't know if he has, you know, di- disabilities in that yeah. area. Yeah, or like, like he might have dyslexia. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, something.
0: Yeah. But I, for a while, I was like, okay, why are they emphasizing like this? How much this kid's struggling with reading? It was like, okay, wow. The, the end gives that a beautiful resolution where he finally learns how to read well. When it comes to um, reading, like the most important letter written in this movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was I guess my probably my final observation about like the structure and flow of the movie. And one of the things that made it really good and give it gave it some I don't know great connections and closure
1: yeah definitely
0: um so do you uh if you, have, you don't have anything else we might be able to move into our our ratings
1: yeah i do not think that i have anything else so
0: cool i think it's your turn to go first
1: all right <laughs> um so the the acting in this movie was phenomenal mm-hmm. that's that's the first thing i want to say um Adam Driver's emotion that he brought also Scarlett Johansson. I mean it's hard to single, you know, a person out. Yeah. And be like, "Well, this was a great performance" because they both they both did amazing and and I loved seeing them in these roles. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny cuz I didn't ima- I couldn't really picture them two together as a believable couple mm-hmm. when I like first heard about this movie. I was like, so, <laughs> the the guy from Star Wars and, <laughs> and the Black Widow, who, like, just physically, like, if you look at them, like, together, they just don't look like they would match. Yeah, like, tall, short,
0: dark, and blonde slash, you know, whatever, Yeah, they just they know. just
1: don't look like they go together. But I, I believed it. At the end of this movie, I was like, you know, that's, I believed everything they were trying to sell me. Mm-hmm. And you know, Laura Dern won an Oscar for her performance. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think it's the strongest thing in the movie, I do think that it is strong. Like I think that it's 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 a good performance. Yeah. And I definitely did not like her. And I think that was the point. She's supposed to represent, um. You know, just like the legal the legal aspect of the divorce, where where they're you know. She's fighting for her client, of mm-hmm. course, but she's kind of spiteful, she's sort of, I guess. Yeah, she, yeah, she's and she's also just trying to get as much for her client as she can, and trying to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, yeah, I, I thought I, I just thought that all of the acting was was great. I loved that. Uh, I love the story. That you know maybe I should have said that first because mm-hmm. that's more base level but i loved the story i thought that it was very well written and it was as difficult as it was to watch play out it it was it was a worthwhile journey to take um especially you know like you were saying at the end of the movie you get that little glimmer of hope yeah and i love movies like that where they're somewhat depressing but then at the very end they i mean they're very real yeah i mean there's a lot of things in life that are depressing but then it sort of gives you a glimmer of hope like you know there's silver lining to everything if you if you can find it or if you can fight to get to that point mm-hmm. to where you can see it um, another movie that I keep thinking of incidentally that, that Adam Driver was also in was This Is Where I Leave You and I kind of got a similar vibe from this movie as I did that one mm. Okay, um, that might be one that we could watch yeah, I, don't know. I haven't seen it so
0: that sounds interesting though
1: Yeah, but, I well, then I won't explain any further (laughs) about that movie. But but anyways, it kind of gave me a similar vibe in terms of the way I felt watching that movie. Right. But the music was good. I just, I can't really pinpoint the things that made it work for me. I guess it was just everything together. Yeah. But I think the strongest aspect of this movie is the narrative, is the... The dialogue is you know just the story of it like it it, it's got some great acting supporting it and you know the music is is you know it helps sort of make you feel what what the i guess writer and director wanted you to feel um yeah but but i think that the strongest aspect of this movie is the script itself just the story Mm mm-hmm I think it's a good story, and I think that you you kind of become invested in it. And I think, like you were saying, it is because it is real. Like, it felt real. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of talking in circles now, like I <laughs> always do. So I'm going to shut up and just give you my rating. Uh, for this movie, I'd probably have to give it... Um, and <laughs> Before I say my score, I should just comment on the fact that my scores almost mean nothing um, <laughs> because I feel like, you know, I will, I have, oh, I have man. in private and also on this podcast with you. Um, I have trashed movies and then given it, you know, like a seven or something <laughs> or like, yeah. I'll you know, talk about this movie is one of my favorites. It's an eight <laughs> or something, <Yeah. laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, and, and I can't tell you, I guess it's kind of I feel the number, so that's that's all I'm gonna say is I just kind of I can't tell you why something would be given a six and why mm-hmm. like what it would need to get those extra four points, um, or like what it did to earn those six points. This is just an example. Yeah. But um, all that being said, I, I think that this movie feels like an eight to me, maybe a nine. Yeah. Um it's hard to sort of pick between those two. Um, eight or nine. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna commit to one yeah, of those. Yeah. You, you can't make me. I,
0: I, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't dare try. Um and I think I follow your logic a lot. I won't repeat, you know, everything you said. Um but what stand I think what stood out to me watching it was just um, heartfelt, believable, like really real acting. Um, mm-hmm. and the realism of the movie is almost one of the things that turns me off a little bit from it because and this is just a bias of mine. I think I bring to watching movies is I, I like the movies that kind of transport me out of the real world a little bit. Um, in general, like if I'm gonna sit down and watch a movie, those are the movies I prefer to watch. So this movie challenges me in a very different way because it's so real. Um. That it's a performance, performances I admire, it's a story that I really appreciate and value and can tell a lot of, like, care was put into it. Um, and just, like, it did a lot of little things well. Um, but at the same time, it's like, this is not a movie I could say I really want to watch again soon. Four of the reasons <laughs> we talked about, because it's just su- such an emotional, like, weight that you are carrying when you're watching this movie. Um, so... That's the conflict I feel is acknowledging that this is an awesome movie. I can see why it was nominated for awards. Like I'm kind of surprised it didn't win more awards, I guess. Um, But it's a, it's a movie I have a hard time recommending because it's just such a heavy story. And you know, most people when they're setting out to watch a movie probably don't want something this real. um, And like could be, could hit very close to home if they have been in a home with divorced parents or if they themselves have gone through a divorce So, I think I feel good about giving it an eight um, because, like I said, I struggle. I'm struggling. I wouldn't give it a 10 because I just think maybe with the realism of the story, there's kind of just like a cap of how good of a movie it could be. You know, given our recent conversations about um, 10 movie that we would rate as, as like a a 10, which is, it would be realistic if the physics it described was real, but it's, um, you know, it it takes us out of our world a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that kind of makes a movie cool to me. So I think eight is where I feel comfortable resting. And so with your eight or nine, we can round to like a 8.33 or something like that.
1: (laughs) That sounds, that sounds good. And, and just to sort of note also something that you said that made me think, um, yeah, this, this movie is a hard recommend in that it it does carry a lot of weight with it. And not a lot of people or not everybody m- may want to, to take on mm-hmm. that load when they watch a movie. And it's kind of like Tenet. Like, I praise that movie highly, but I'm starting to understand you know that not everybody may want to have to put on their thinking caps as as, as tightly as yeah. they have to for that movie like it's completely fine if you would prefer to just watch you know what like i don't know star wars or or you know an avengers movie because those don't make you they don't push you as much as and i mean they're great movies mm-hmm but they don't push you as much as, like, Tenet would. And the same thing with this movie. Like, I would understand if it's not your cup of tea, you just got to be in a certain, you know, I guess, mood to watch those films, and you've got to appreciate them to a certain extent to to want to, you know, sit through the entire thing.
0: Yeah, Um, well said, well said. I think that's a good good synopsis. Tenet needs your thinking cap. This movie needs your feeling cap.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So... Um. Yeah, I think I think we can leave it at that. I, f- I feel good. Yeah, about me that, too. Seth. Thanks
0: a lot. I think um, <laughs> I think I feel better about the movie after talking about it. I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about it until we talked yeah. through it. So, um, very interesting.
1: Yeah. This this movie was yeah. hard. I, I I want to end by saying it was hard for me to talk about, not just because of the emotional weight that it that it thrust upon me, but it it was just hard to sort of get my thoughts together and to sort of, you know, share yeah. them on this platform it was just hard for me to sort of express the things that i wanted to say the way that i felt and so just at this moment in time i don't feel that this is like my strongest for me it's not the strongest discussion that i've had about a movie Mm -hmm. um but yeah I, i think i think there there's probably some some gems yeah within this hour long conversation yeah. that we've had that may, that may speak to yeah. some people. Well,
0: hopefully. And know. <laughs> you know, for what it's worth, Caleb and I are not married. Um, so you can take our opinions <laughs> on pretty much everything we talked about worth a grain of salt because we were talking about it just the best we know how and trying to be sympathetic to how we've seen divorce around us in our own lives. But, um, I hope we didn't say anything too offensive or, or troubling. Um, I don't think we did, but, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if we (laughs) did. It was not intentional.
1: Yeah. And don't take take what I've said about, you know, my my little bit of marriage advice that I that I shared in the in the middle of this this episode about, you know becoming like forgetting the fact that you're individuals and sort of coming together for a common um common desire yeah. instead of instead of just focusing on your individual desires take that with a grain of salt but also i think there's something yeah, there yeah for sure but if you disagree then that's fine and and if you're married and you disagree then you probably know better than i do <laughs> <laughs> agreed sounds so, good yeah um, i'm not saying i'm not saying it's a bad thing to to have you know your own individual desires and and um goals yeah
0: yeah for sure yeah. So yeah, like I said, we we didn't have time to get into the nuance of our views on marriage and stuff. So, um,
1: that's well, yeah. That's that not wasn't, the point of this. Point. We we were just we were we watched a movie, and this is us just having a friendly discussion about the movie and our thoughts on, you know, the narrative right. that was un unrolled before us. Yeah. Well said. But, yeah. Well, I think we can leave it at that. And um, we've got a long weekend coming mm, up, we Seth. Uh, it is the 14th of January currently, and so we've got um, Mr. Martin Luther King Jr. to thank for um, many things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't want to minimize all of the good that he's done um, for our nation and for our world, but we do get to enjoy a day off on his birthday mm. Um, and so we've got this long weekend coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, guys, if you don't have plans for this wonderful long three day weekend, then just know that you could take a trip to LA. Um, I hear that it's got a lot of space, <laughs> so that would be nice. Oh, man. All right. Well, th- thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Seth, for the discussion um and we will catch you in the next episode yes we
0: will you shall hear us then
1: <laughs> <laughs> all bye. right bye bye